0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host. I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show. Thank you for joining us today. With me in the KFG studios, certified financial planners, Kevin
2: Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Do you ever wonder what the world would be like if financial advisors were in charge of those messages in your fortune cookie? Oh,
1: no, I have not thought that, Josh.
2: They're, they're fortune cookies, right? That is that is our jurisdiction. <laughs> <laughs> we, we should be the ones writing. That's, that's actually one of my dreams in retirement. I want to be the guy writing those fortune cookies. So today I'm going to give you three. And you guys, so Kevin and Mike don't know I'm doing this. I'm wow, totally hijacking this show right now. I'll sign up to be the guy eating them. There you go. You, you have to work these three fortune cookie messages into the show. You ready for them? Okay. <sighs> Listen carefully. Put your lazy dollars to work Ooh. so someday you don't have to. Hmm. Mm. Beware of the financial advisor living out of his suitcase. Uh-huh, okay. $2 in your pocket are better than $1 billion in someone else's pocket. Mm. I think... Today's I, show, oh. it's all about your questions. We're answering your questions, a variety of topics. So there's your teaser, my friends. We're turning fortune cookies into wise money cookies today mm, yeah, on the Wise is, Money Show.
1: This is your show. We can we can crack those today. If you have any questions for the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us three different ways online, wisemoneyradio.com. On social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, just search Wise Money Radio. YouTube channel has every episode right there. You can leave comments, you can share, you can like, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. And you can also call and text 574-222-2000. 574 I hope, I hope we will we will be addressing a text texted in question later on in the program today. So well, Josh, I think I do know where you're going and, and we're gonna start off the show with a question from Cindy. Here's what here's what she said. Cindy's sixty eight, she's from Mishawaka. I was cleaning out my safe and found an envelope with some old savings bonds in it. Half of them are from the mid eighties, and I think they've matured. Do they still earn interest after they mature? What should I do with all these things?
0: Well, Cindy, that is a great question. And I've been helping people with their financial planning and investments for the last 25 years. And we deal with all types of investments. And I found one of the most complicated investments (laughs) out there is the savings. You
1: wouldn't think it, but that's true. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, so it's It's a very simple concept. You basically lend money to the government. You buy a $50 bond, and it matures, and it's worth 100 And so you think, oh, it's, it's not that complicated. Well, actually, it is. And so one of the things that I would tell you, Cindy, is that if you have a bond that's 30 years or, or older, it's quite possible that it's not – Earning interest anymore, right. and actually, the Treasury comes out every so often and says, "Hey, there's, there's, so many billion seven, eight, twelve billion dollars of savings bonds that are in someone's drawer or in the safe or in the safety deposit box that are no longer earning interest." And most people seven
1: billion dollars. Yeah,
0: most people are unaware mm-hmm. that they've got this. Um, I guess you would call it an investment that is not earning interest anymore. And so, I would encourage you if you have savings bonds, and you're listening to this on a Saturday morning, go get the bonds and look at them and see what the date on them is, and then come up with a plan, make a decision. Uh, these these bonds. Give, give each bond a name. This is what these bonds are going to do. These bonds are the next car. These bonds are the pay off the mortgage. These bonds are the take the family to Disney. Whatever these bonds are for, give them a name and then deal with the planning uh, ramifications of of cashing those bad boys in.
1: Because one or two of those you might want to set aside, depending on how much you have. Yeah, set aside some tax
2: dollars attached to those. You know, one of the reasons these are so complicated is depending upon when the bond was issued and what type of bond it is, the tax ramifications can be different. The interest accrual can be different. So one of the things I would encourage you to do is, yes, I mean, you've already um, uncovered the most important part of this whole equation. you found the bonds, mm-hmm. right? So now... I'd encourage you to go to the US Treasury's website and download a tool that they call the Savings Bond Calculator. It's essentially just a a little program that you can put on your desktop there, and you can plug in the actual serial number for each of these bonds, and it will calculate for you how much interest is embedded there, when it stopped paying interest, that kind of thing, um, when they'll mature, uh, all these details come up when you plug those in it's it's almost plugging in the the VIN number for your car there's all yep. kinds of history there yeah
0: yeah so if you if you go to treasury.gov you, it says right there ee bonds issued january of 1980 through november of 1988 have are no longer earning interest yep so i would go and look and because the issue is these the 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 interest that has been earned that Has not had any taxes paid is going to have taxes paid. It's unavoidable unless you do it just right and you're using it for. Education—that's one of the ways to avoid paying taxes on the interest that's earned. I would—I would just assume you're going to pay tax on the interest. Yeah. And you say, "Well, do I really care about that?" Here's why you do: because it could mean if you cash those bonds in today, and you're retired and drawing Social Security, more of your Social Security is going to become. Taxable.
1: That's right. Why, that's why mm-hmm. we love tax.
0: The other thing, the other tax trap that I would look at is if I'm sixty-five plus and I am on Medicare, I have Medicare Part B. I have to watch my income because if my income goes above a certain threshold, I will pay more for my Medicare Part B premium. Yeah. And so th- these these are the sleepers that people aren't paying attention to, and they say, "Well, I can do." This one thing in this area of my financial life, and it's not connected to the rest of my financial life, and then there are the dreaded surprises. Yeah, because because it is. This gets me onto a tangent
1: that I think, Josh, this one of your fortune cookies. I think Mm -hmm. I I, I can't state it exactly. You're too creative for me, but but to me, this this opens up the discussion about lazy dollars in your financial life. Lazy is sort of a, a negative a negative term, but basically dollars that are in your financial life that really aren't doing a job every Mm -hmm. dollar should have a job it's helping you with this or it's trying to reach this goal or trying to protect or trying to grow or something and when you have dollars sitting in your financial life that aren't assigned any job those are those are lazy dollars thinking of seven billion dollars people don't know about that's not earning interest those are lazy lazy
2: dollars Mm -hmm. yeah when i read cindy's question i i kind of cringed because you know there's been a whole bunch of years that have gone by where those investment dollars have been sitting in that drawer not earning any interest. So they're not fulfilling whatever purpose they had originally when Cindy or she and her husband, whoever purchased them, they bought them for a reason, to earn some interest, to grow some dollars for the future, but they've stopped doing that job along the way. They're no longer earning that interest. And unfortunately, it happens all the time where folks do have money that could be doing more work for them. And I don't necessarily mean earning a higher rate of return. I just mean better alignment with what the purpose of the dollars are, like you were saying.
1: I completely agree. And and, and a lot of financial planners, or financial investment advisors, let's say, might say, well, this, is, this, this would be a good hook to convince you to invest more. And I'm not saying that, especially with how volatile the market's been, you, that might completely scare you. But going back to what Josh said, if you don't have a financial plan where you can see your entire financial life and know what work needs to be done, as well as list out a whole bunch of goals, basically jobs to do, it's going to be hard for you to allocate dollars towards those jobs. But one of them just could be some miscellaneous credit card debt. It's pretty common for people to have a you know, thousand, a couple thousand, 1,500, what seems like a very manageable amount of credit card debt, but that interest is 16% or 18%. It seems small But as a percentage, it's big. Mm -hmm. It's big.
0: Yeah, I met with a couple who are paying very little in taxes, and they have a bunch of savings bonds that they inherited. And they said, oh, we're just going to hold on to these for our kids. And I said, do you think your kids are paying more in taxes than you are? And they said, oh, they for sure are. And I said, well, if you don't pay taxes on them, your kids are going to. That's the planning approach. That's
1: the planning approach. There's a couple other examples of lazy dollars that we want to point out so that you can make sure they've got the right job to do, as well as should you buy cancer insurance? That's another question that was submitted to the show. We're going to tackle that one as well. That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Do you have any lazy dollars in your financial life? How do you find them? What do you do with them? How do you root them out, get them working for you? We're talking about that right now. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Coming to you from the KFG studios with me in in that studio, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory. want to say thank you to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern & Keene as well as First State Bank, for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. If you have any questions, we're actually tackling a question from Cindy right now. If you have any questions, reach out to us. Call or text 574-222-2000 online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question right there on the right. And lastly, you can find us all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. to search Wise Money Radio. You can send questions that way as well. So Cindy wrote 68 and from Mishawaka and said, she's got some savings bonds that doesn't, that aren't earning interest anymore. And we launched off of that and said, well, a lot of people do actually. That's, you're not alone, Cindy. And so how do you find lazy dollars in your financial life that maybe once you assigned a job to them, but they're no longer really fulfilling that job. So how do you find those and what are some other examples and what do you do about it?
2: I like the example that you gave in uh, the last segment about using cash that's sitting around to maybe wipe out credit card debt. I had a similar situation with a client over in Ohio who uh, had saved up a bunch of money, she really wanted to buy a hybrid vehicle. but uh, And she had all the cash, she was ready to kind of write the check, but she also still had a perfectly fine vehicle that she had inherited from her dad. And it was, it was one of those cars where there's still a lot of miles left in this thing, but less value to mm. it. Those are like the, the financial advisor's dream car <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, so she, she was very sensible and she didn't wanna just go sell that car, buy the hybrid just because. So she had all this cash sitting around doing nothing. And she was probably gonna be sitting on it for a while. So she actually made the The decision to pay off her mortgage early. She had already been hmm. you know well along her way. And rather than having cash sitting there earning you know less than half a percent at the time, she said, "Well why don't I uh, put this money down on the mortgage, save myself three and a half percent, and then start building the cash back up even more quickly for the car.
1: In the context of your financial plan, in your priorities, that may make a lot of sense.
0: And I want to I want to talk to the person right now who's listening to that who's starting with the premise, oh well, good for her, I could never do that. I want you to I want you to rewrite the story that you're telling yourself in your mind right now and tell yourself, "Yes, I could do that. I could do that someday." But the only way you're going to be able to do that is you're going to have to do something differently in your life and that I'm going to say start working with a financial planner. When you're looking for a financial planner, make sure you find one that's certified. And there are lots of guys that just sell investments that have the CFP credential after their name. So find one that operates in the six areas of CFP because yes, you can do that, and I, you know, it, when I'm at the gym and someone's saying, "Well, yeah, um, you know, Notre Dame tickets are now $150 a game. Uh, you know, I could never afford those." I'm thinking, "Well, actually, yes, you could, because you tell me about all the things that you do afford that are important to you." Yeah. So people have. This is what I would. This is what I've learned. One one of the kind of the the truisms is, everyone, for the most part, has what they want. And if you start with that and you apply it to my life and you say, hey, no, I don't have what I want. Okay, now it's time to do something about it. Well, I like that you,
2: you referenced investment advisors out there, f- financial advisors who only focus on investments. That's all they sell, all day, every day. And uh, th- there's plenty of folks out there that would say, well, that that client I was referring to, they should have taken that money and bought themselves a good growth mutual fund. You know, Start earning their 12,000% a year <laughs> yes, or whatever so the number no is. Money. Right? <laughs> uh, the, the, the problem is this is a short term uh, pile of cash or, or attached to at least a short or intermediate term need. You don't go attach it then to a long-term investment that can be volatile, up and down. Obviously, we've seen in recent markets just how volatile things <laughs> can get at times, right? Yeah. And you don't want the market to be pulling your investment down just at the time that you are ready to go buy that car or use that cash for whatever its purpose was.
1: So don't take the bait here and listen to lazy dollars and think, well, I've got an emergency fund sitting there. I've got to go invest that because these guys are telling me those those need to work harder for me. No, if the purpose of that dollar, if those dollars are to um, give you financial confidence. I heard that recently. Instead of emergency fund, it's a financial confidence fund. It yeah. gives you confidence because you know you've got a backstop. I love that idea. Don't invest those dollars. Now, I would also say it might be lazy to keep them in your checking account, <laughs> get those things earning some interest, get them in a the money market, but, but don't take the bait here and think, well, in order to avoid lazy dollars, I need to have them invested. No, you need to have them consistent with, the goal, with your financial goals and your financial plan that's the point.
2: You know, one of the places in the financial plan that often we see lazy dollars showing up in the form of missed opportunities. Yep. You know, how many folks have we ever met who are paying the college bills for a son or daughter, but they're not running the money through a 529 plan first? So that money you would argue, oh, it's fulfilling its purpose, right? It's cash that we saved up, we pay the college bill, end of story. No, what if you could pay the college bill and save some tax dollars by taking advantage of the Indiana 529 plan? That's creativity that gets missed when you don't have an overall financial plan that you're sniffing out those lazy dollars through.
1: Let's uh, let's pivot here. We've got a few more questions to hit, but before we do, sort of current events here in the Michiana area. If you if you live in the Michiana community and you uh, like the news, um, then you're probably listening to this channel, this radio station for a reason. But unfortunately, about a year ago, there was a there's a tax preparer, estate planner, kind of turned investment uh, person who recently has been accused of some pretty uh, disappointing things. And um, because we're a financial show, uh, we thought we'd just address it, clear the air a little bit because, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a big headline here in this community, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I, when I started in the business back in 1994, um, I, this is when we still made house calls and I'd gone out to a client's house and I asked what, um, so tell me about the investments that you have now. And she got out a 3x5 card, and on it was written uh, certain investment companies and certain amounts on that 3x5 card. And this was before some of the technologies that we have today, but I was immediately very concerned. Because if you're showing me a 3x5 card that, that states what your investments are, there's, that's a problem. I'm and just, not a statement. I'm just going to go. Shows. Yep. I'm going to say that's a problem. And I said, So, where did you get this? And she said, Well, my investment person. And I don't know if any of you remember the name. I do remember the name very well uh, Mary Lou Sanders. And she was, she, this was news back in two thousand one. It so was
1: national news, right? It, it, it
0: was national news, but it was it hit home because there were a lot of folks who said, "Well, all I do is I just take my money down to this person. I trust this person. This person's lived in my community um, forever, and so um, and there, you know, if you go back to December nineteenth of two thousand one, the headlines um, SIPC." Indiana bankruptcy judge clears way for SIPC to help 30 investors recover up to $2 million. Hmm. So people say, well, what is this is a jargon-free zone, what's the SIPC? It's the Securities Investors Protection Corporation. So it's similar to what the banks would have with FDIC, and so the SIPC protects against fraud so if you're looking at your investment statement say man October was a tough month I wonder if I can cash in on the, my SIPC <laughs> insurance that my guy or gal has. Nope, it's not for that. It's not to protect against the, the volatility ver- of the market yep. it's going up and down. Yep. Right. It is to protect you against fraud. And so if you look, in, and the reason why is we've had folks that have come in to our office and said, hey, I'm looking at the South Bend Tribune. I, now I, I've there's been five articles about this person um, who has had their law license suspended indefinitely the judge ordered this person to pay two million dollars to their clients so i there are some basic protections that we're probably going to have to get to in the next segment that you just want to have to be aware of because when when you think about investments and um, financial planning and these things this is a trust business I would encourage you to trust but verify, and we'll get into a few ways that you can do that in the next segment.
1: Plus, we've got Bruce's question coming up about whether he should buy cancer insurance or whether nursing home insurance is just fine en- enough. But also, oh, about a month or so ago, the mega millions between the mega billions. Did mm. you have any fantasies? We're going to talk about that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Four Horn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
1: Should you buy cancer insurance? We've got that question from Bruce here in just a moment. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike. Joining me, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, coming to you from the KF2 studios. Thanks for listening. Also, thank you, Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her team of inspired realtors at REMAX 100. Thanks for making the Wise Money Show possible. If you have any questions, nothing but questions today. Reach out to us. You can submit a question online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can call or text us, 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. And all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, just search wise money Radio. All right, so quick housekeeping. There's um, There's been, over the past year, some accusations about a local financial, well, I wouldn't even say financial advisor, a, a, a attorney. And tax CPA. accountant, Attorney's CPA. Attorney, CPA. Who's, um, who was sort of trying to act as a financial advisor and has been accused of some pretty awful, awful things. And the point in bringing this up is is that there's certain things that you should be doing to make sure that this is a trusted individual that, that you're working with. And unfortunately, we were just chatting over the break. I mean, unfortunately, these when this sort of stuff happens – it's all over the news and gets a ton of publicity. And so you could be left to think, oh my goodness, who can I trust? But 99.99% of all financial advisors have a good heart, they're trustworthy, they're, they're helpful, and, and yet the bad apples kind of ruin it for, for everyone else. And so what are some of the things that you can do to make sure that you're working with someone that you trust?
0: Yeah, some of the best people in our community that I know are our peers in the financial services industry. So these are good, hardworking people, very trustworthy. Um, I, one of the things that you should do is you should make sure that you've got statements And so whether a lot of people today have electronic delivery of their statements so do the work to make sure that you can log in and check your statements see a balance you know the people looking at their October statements aren't terribly excited you looked at your September Uh, statement you were absolutely over the moon delighted so this is why you don't look you might not want to look at your statements (laughs) on a monthly basis but the
1: point is you know you you don't want to rely on your financial your investment professional to just create their own statements right because that's where fraud that, That's where deceit and lying can come in. You want to get a statement or have online access directly to where the money is held.
0: Yeah, actually, so we're, we have all kinds of compliance and we are not allowed to create statements for our clients. Right. That's a compliance issue. The other thing that you should be suspicious of is if you're working with a financial professional and they bring up anything in their personal life w- which Suggest they might need some money, hmm. and or if they're asking to possibly borrow money from Ooh. you. Yeah. So th- again, the 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 six articles that were in the South Bend Tribune about the one bad apple don't do anything about the truckload of good apples. It, 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 they they weren't those weren't referenced. It was just saying, hey, this is a a, a bad guy needed some bad stuff. Part of the reason, though, that people get exposed to that
2: is they think they're entrusting money to a professional who is getting them into a legitimate investment. And maybe they even print up on their little word processor some sort of certificate that says, here's what you own, some sort of a certificate of ownership or shares or something. But that's exactly the thing that... Uh, gets people exposed to fraud because they're not actually entrusting money to someone where there's watchdogs looking over them. Sure. In our industry, we refer to someone who holds your money for you as a custodian. You know, some big names out there are like Fidelity or Charles Schwab. These are huge organizations that their sole job is to hold your money safe for you and help you um, actually implement the investment ideas that you and your advisor come up with together. What you may not realize is that there are all kinds of regulators watching over their shoulder, making sure that they are playing by all the rules to help protect your money from fraud. If you're writing checks directly to a financial advisor, uh, other than maybe a fee for them to prepare your taxes or build a financial plan or something, then uh, the, the risk is
0: that you may be exposed to something you shouldn't be. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. When you're writing the checks, who are you writing the checks to? So we custody our client assets at Fidelity. So when a client's writing a check, they're writing the check to Fidelity. And another thing that I would encourage you to do is if you have, um, a lot of times we're, we're working with a couple. And so, the couple comes in, they're both hearing what we're saying, what? they're both processing, they're <laughs> both thinking through it, they're leaving, they're saying, what in the world did Mike just say? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. And so, they, they're able to process and work on this. If, you, if there's someone that's either uh, single or widowed, or if it's a couple that is getting to a point where th- things are slipping just a little bit, I would. everyone needs a financial advocate. So I would encourage you, if that's your folks or your aunt and uncle, I would at least volunteer to join them when they go and meet with their advisor. Mm-hmm. And their advisor should welcome you. Their advisor should not feel threatened yeah. by you. They should not be worried about anything. Um, their, their advisor should welcome you with open arms and say, Hey, listen, I want to explain to you the strategies that we're doing. and, and um, To be trustworthy.
1: You need to have character and competence, and so with the financial professionals that you're asking to help serve you, you you should you should have a sense of what their character is. Ask them questions. What are they involved in? Are they volunteer? What what do they care about? Are they talking about their family? Are they talking about their kids? Or you know, to, to get a sense for what their character is, and then hopefully you're also getting a sense for their competence. But it's really being trustworthy is uh, is a blend of those two things. Okay. Hopefully that helps you. Unfortunately, that is going on and gosh, but ho- hopefully hopefully that helps. Bruce is 51 from Napanee. He submitted a question recently. I received a letter about
2: cancer insurance. Should I purchase that or do I just need nursing home coverage? Doesn't it seem like everyone that I know who's asked about cancer insurance there's some sort of background or story there. You know, maybe yep. some family history, maybe you've had a scare of your own, that kind of thing. And the the worry is that, man, what if, what if I'm next? We all know somebody who's been affected by sure. cancer and uh, you, you hate seeing what they go through, but then the financial strain that sometimes accompanies that health concern uh, makes people wonder about cancer insurance. Well,
1: I even, just to just to make this a little bit bigger, so we are uh, always trying to sharpen the saw here and learn new things and get uh, the fresh ideas. And so a big group of the Corhorn Financial Group family, all of our advisors and many of our advisors in training just went to the National Conference for the Financial Planning Association. And the, the Financial Planning Foundation was actually raising money to help family struggling with cancer and the financial ramifications of that and actually gave a very I'm a crier I'll just admit that <laughs> I am a crier I was bawling my eyes out listening to this couple with what they dealt with and the financial planning foundation is trying to step in and help however I do wonder is cancer insurance a solution to that or are other areas of your financial life and your financial plan do they provide the financial solution? Exactly. Not the emotional
2: solution, but the financial solution. That's right, that's right. To me, there's a checklist of questions that you need to ask yourself. uh, Before you would make a decision on on cancer insurance, do you have adequate health insurance in place? That's right. You know, It's your health insurance that's going to pay these medical bills if you get terribly sick with cancer or or something like that. Do you have strong long-term care, or sorry, long-term disability insurance? that's often one of the concerns like what if what if your cancer story god forbid that you uh, um, are visited by that terrible disease but uh, what if it prevents you from working for some period of time and there's an income hit that's that's often the case with some families especially if it's the main breadwinner that uh, gets hit with this do you have a big enough emergency fund to cover um, your medical expenses, your deductibles, that sort of thing, especially if this is going to spread out over more than one calendar year right. and you're having to hit a deductible two, maybe three times. Uh, and do you have enough margin and flexibility in your budget to be able to adjust and maybe live more financially lean for a, a period of time?
1: Oh my goodness, Josh. So uh, the Wise Money Show, is it's unscripted. We have you know a path that we're traveling down with questions and whatnot, but we don't script anything that we say, Josh. Those are the exact points that that I would that I would say. Now, you've had cancer, and you know, in your family, I've had cancer. My, it, it pretty much everyone knows someone who's dealing with this. Most likely in your in your own household, and there are financial ramifications. So that list, those questions that you just asked, is not a way to say this isn't a big deal financially. No, it is, but. I would encourage you, we would encourage you to prepare ahead of time with the right things in place as opposed to transferring money to an insurance company for cancer-specific
2: insurance. That's right. If you have the right answers to those questions, cancer insurance is less helpful in your financial life.
1: We've got more coming up here on Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group.
0: This is Wise
1: Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. What would you do? Where would you go? What? How much fun would you have if you won a billion dollars? We're going to talk about that. Obviously, that happened here in the United States just One about a month ago. Million. I'm sure everyone's been fantasizing about it. I have since, oh, I was probably three. We're going to talk about that in just, <laughs> a, just a minute. My name is Mike Bernard, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory with me in the KFT studios. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. If you've missed anything, it's been nothing but questions today, your questions. And so you can find every episode right there on the YouTube channel. You can watch every single one of them going on right in the studio. Um, you can submit questions that way as well. You can also find them on podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, so it's on Google play. It's on iTunes. It's on the streamers, all that sort of stuff. You'll want to search wise money with Corehorn financial group. That's Corehorn with a K lastly, every episode's also on the website, wise money radio.com can listen to it right there when you're at work or whatever you're doing. Submit a question right there on the right as well. Bruce submitted a question. A couple of weeks ago, 51 from Napanee, I received a letter about cancer insurance, should I purchase it or nursing home coverage and and Josh left off with some great questions that you'd want to ask yourself. And actually, you should be discussing with your certified financial planner. And if you're if you've answered yes to each of those, you've got great health insurance. You've got a good emergency fund. You have good long-term Um, disability insurance and you've got adequate margin in your life and so on if you've answered those correctly then gosh emotionally just terrifying when you hear the the C word for anyone in your family financially it can be a, a challenge but if you've said yes to those things you probably don't need to give money to an insurance company just for cancer insurance well I don't know what about nursing home insurance nursing home coverage Health insurance doesn't cover that. So these same questions just don't really apply if you are disabled, need to go into a nursing home.
2: Yeah, to me, so nursing home, if we're going to use the more precise term, we would say long-term care insurance these days, Uh, that type of coverage has evolved over time. And it quite honestly is, I I think, one of the most important types of insurance that you will need eventually um, you know, I think Kevin, you purchased it pretty young in mm-hmm. life to make sure that you were insurable, and you locked in a price that um, you know is pretty favorable over over the and, years. And,
1: and not to disclose anything, but Kevin, you wouldn't qualify for it right now,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with my level of intelligence and uh, <laughs> a few other things working against me, I would be disqualified.
2: <laughs> oh my! Well, it, it's a major, major risk because. Um, you know, w- whether you're in your early 50s or mid-50s, now's the time to be educating your yourself on this issue. By the time you reach age 65, men have a 44% chance of needing some sort of nursing home care. Women have a 58% chance. It's 70% chance that you will need some form of long-term care or another. That could be nursing home. It could be home health care assisted living is another type of care or even adult daycare, 70% chance. Um, So if we were comparing this type of coverage versus the cancer insurance uh, that Bruce was asking about, to me, uh, making sure you have all those other protections in place that we we talked about in the the last segment, and then when you get to your mid-50s or so, you need to be coming to a conclusion on this topic of long-term care insurance. That's
1: right. I mean, the, your health insurance really doesn't help you with those things. Your emergency fund would need to be extraordinary. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's not enough margin in your monthly budget to afford home health care in a nursing home. So so this that would be a risk that you should transfer, but it's got to be in the context of your overall financial plan. It has to be. So great question, Bruce. Thank you very much. Oh, last month or so, the mega millions became the mega billion dollars and someone won it. And just one person won it. It's crazy. South Carolina. And uh, Cindy and I, I'm just going to confess right now, we've nev- I've never bought a lottery ticket ever, ever, ever. And so, and, and, and Andy, if you're listening, you bought me a little scratch off for my birthday, and I won 10 bucks and I dem- never even turned that in. Because <laughs> I'm just unfamiliar with the whole process. You didn't and I didn't know how? I didn't even know <laughs> what to do. And so, but, um, so what would you do? What would you do? I'm sure you fantasized about it. What would you do if you would've won while you're thinking about that? Josh, Kevin?
2: You know, I, I've actually never bought a lottery ticket either, but there was one time, maybe I shared this story with you before, I went into a gas station at a time when, you know, the Powerball or whatever it was, was up to 300 million. And the radio station uh, was doing some sort of promotional and they were just handing them out, handing out tickets to people as they came in the door. I didn't even know what they put in my hand. I was just, you know, looking for my Gatorade that I wanted, you know. (laughs) And uh, I got home and I realized what they had given me. And that entire night, all I thought about was, Wow, what could you do with $300 million? Yeah. And I wasted an entire evening of my life uh, fantasizing about the easy money. But it's, it's fun to do because for a glimmer of, of time, you have this hopefulness that, wow, what if life could just be
0: better than it is, even better than it is right now? Right, and, and so you have to ask the question. When you look at your life right now and you, you assess your life, what would make your life even better than it is right now? And most people, if they answer the question, it's not more money. It's not a windfall of money. Most people, if they were, if they said, what would make my life better right now? It's, I have relationship issues with uh, someone in my family. There's someone in my family who's dealing with an illness right now. Uh, Fill in the blank. So, these these the idea it's because you're tempted to think oh if i had that money i'd solve all the problems well guess what steve jobs died yeah paul allen died these guys were multi-billionaires with a b and they had health issues that they couldn't get fixed their biggest biggest problem was a health issue that money couldn't uh, take care of so I look at that and the other thing that I think about is if you won and I, I, I have a pretty uh, good idea what I'd do if I won if I won I would uh, John Smarella would no longer work for Barnes & Thornburg he would be my uh, legal counsel <laughs> and spokesman and the money would go into a foundation and um, I'd spend the rest of my life um, giving it away <clears throat> spokesman, like he, he'd be filtering everything that you say, and
2: oh, yes, yeah, I'm going to start buying your lottery. He, I <laughs> know, man. <laughs> he'd actually Best be investment he, ever.
0: He'd be sitting here <laughs> speaking for me on the radio. Nice. So, um, but it, it's it's farcical, and if you think about it, you, you look at the odds. People talk well, what is it? What are the odds that I win the lottery? I don't want the lottery. I say I got an odd for you. The odds are that s- seven out of ten people who do win the lottery go bankrupt. Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
1: I actually did a Wise Money Minute on this about about a month ago. It's on our Facebook page if you want to like that and follow that. It's, it's there as well. and talks about some of those statistics. And actually, so, so, so a large percentage file bankruptcy very soon. Actually, a very large percentage end up becoming estranged from those relationships that you would say right now are most important. And a very large percentage end up dealing with some sort of abuse—alcohol abuse, alcohol abuse uh, drug abuse, something like that—and so basically, you are most likely better off right now than you'd be yeah. if you had won the lottery.
0: And I wouldn't say I—I w- I would say addiction. It's—it's—it's it's, yeah. it's the addictions that get the the lottery winners. And my—I uh, have a good friend, Joshua Gregory, no. and I like to quote him. Um, but he talks about how to manage money. You need skill and character. Mm-hmm. And so, if I and and uh, if I have poor character and little money, it's barely revealed. But if I have poor character and a ton of money, it's totally revealed. So mm-hmm. look at the folks in Hollywood, and you know. Um, I can think of examples that you wouldn't even (laughs) wanna share, but look at what they're doing, and you say, well, yeah, they they have some character issues, but it's absolutely magnified by all of this money that they have. Yeah, the problem with sudden money, especially huge sudden money,
2: is you don't instantly have sudden skill you don't instantly have sudden experience. if If you've never managed millions before, what makes you think you're going to be great at managing billions? Yeah, right mm-hmm. So it's far better for you to build your wealth the good old-fashioned way. One dollar at a time, one sacrifice at a time. You can do that, especially with a financial plan.
1: And if you're fortunate enough to fall into sudden money because of a contract or, or a sale or, or a lottery winning, I mean, then then you can go and invite that character and that experience and that maturity from someone else.
0: You can hire it.
1: You can hire it in and, and not fall victim to some of those other statistics. So thank you very much for listening today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin and myself, and all of us at KFG, Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
0: Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities, Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.